morning. My name is Venus. was not the name I was given when I was born, but it's the name I have now. Because my life has changed because of that day. So I want to go back and share a little bit of that story of how I was changed and how you can be changed too. I was born a citizen of Rome and grew up, served in the Roman legions. I was a member of the 6th Roman Legion, the Iron Legion, Fidelis Constance, faith and loyalty. That was our motto. And I grew up and fought and served in numerous places under the rule of Caesar and then of Tiberius. It was a curious time to serve. And at one point I was transferred to this tiny little town, this tiny little region on the Mediterranean, the region of Judea. It was a strange place to serve, very distant, very different from the place I had grown up in. But I served there and the governor at the time was a man named Pontius Pilate. Now, the previous governor hadn't pleased Caesar very well and had been executed, so Pilate did his best to make sure that Caesar was pleased. And as I said, Judea was a strange region, partly because of the people who lived there. There was this group of people, the Jews, who lived there, and they were so different from so many other people. They lived and they served, and they believed there was just one God. They didn't believe in the numerous gods that we knew, but they believed there was just simply one God and that this one God had called them and made them into a special people and had given them this land. Well, in part, that was part of the problem because the land wasn't their land. It was Caesar's land. And that's what we were there for, the Iron Legion, to make sure that there was no rebellion, that there was no uprising, that nothing would happen, that nothing would threaten the reign and the rule of Caesar. It was mostly a peaceful time. Really, peace had existed for a long time in the Roman Empire. Peace existed because of the might of the Roman Empire. Peace existed because of the swords of the Roman Legion. Peace existed because of Caesar. And so we lived and served there, and most of the time we were stationed in a little town on the Mediterranean, Caesarea by the sea, named in honor of Almighty Caesar. And so there we were stationed with Pontius Pilate. But a time came each year when we would go to Jerusalem, the holy city of the people called the Jews. And we would go to that city because once a year they would celebrate a, cel a festival called the Passover. And the Passover was their remembrance festival of a time when they told the story of how God, this God they served, had rescued them out of slavery. And so it was always a tense time because there was always the possibility that they would take advantage of this time, that they would rise up in rebellion. And they had rebelled before. But each time they rebelled, the Roman legions made sure the rebellion was short and ended swiftly. And so it came to one Passover where I led a legion into Rome, into Jerusalem, along with Pontius Pilate, in preparation for this Passover festival. And the festival went fairly peacefully until the near the end of the week. And there at the end of the week, a local peasant, a wandering rabbi, a wandering teacher was brought on trial before Pilate. 
That was one of Pilate's jobs. Pilate didn't do a very good job of delegating authority, and he tended to take all these things on himself. And so here was this peasant who was brought before him by the Jewish leaders. I don't I didn't understand fully what was going on. There was some sort of squabble between them. It didn't matter, but these Jewish leaders said he was a troublemaker. And that caused Pilate to become a little more interested, to wonder what was going on. Was he really a troublemaker? Because you see, Pilate, he remembered his predecessor. He remembered that when his predecessor didn't fully protect the interests of Rome, he lost his life. So Pilate may not have been the brightest guy in the world, but he was interested in protecting himself. So he tried to work it around. So this, this Jewish peasant, this Yeshua, this Jesus was brought and put on trial. And it's not entirely clear what the charges were. In fact, I don't think Pilate fully understood them, but he knew that if he didn't do something, the Jewish people might rise up. And so in the end, he sentenced this Jesus to death, death on a cross. Well, the cross was not just simply a means of execution. The cross was a way to demonstrate the power of Rome. It was a way to show who was in power and who was not. It was a means of intimidation. It was a means of shaming. In fact, about 100 years before that, there had been a rebellion in Rome led by this slave named Spartacus. And at the end of the rebellion... 6,000 slaves were crucified leading out the city of Rome. It was a reminder to all who would question the power of Rome, to all who would claim to be king in place of Caesar, all who would question his might and power, all who would stand up against it, that this is what would happen. And so this Yeshua, this Jesus, this one that they were saying was the king of the Jews, was a threat to Rome. And so Pilate sentenced him to death. And so first we beat him, and it was a horrible thing. And I think back now on why we did those things. And I don't know, it was just part of what we did. And then we took this Jesus and we led him out of the city, carrying his cross along with two other criminals, and we crucified him on this hill we called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And we hung Jesus on a cross with one of these other rebels on his left and one on his right. And there he hung to die with a sign over his head. It said, Jesus, King of the Jews. And I thought to myself, some king. Sure doesn't look like much of a king to me. I had never seen Caesar myself, but I had seen the emblems. I had seen the pictures. I had heard the stories and knew that this is not what a king looked like beaten and haggard, grasp, gasping for breath. And I was on duty that day. And though I was a centurion, Pilate had wanted me out there to make sure that this Jesus died. Now that was not normally a job for a centurion. Normally it would have been one of the lower soldiers. I mean, watching and overseeing an execution was on par with latrine duty. It was not something anyone wanted to do, but Pilate knew there was something unique about this and that he needed to be watched over and we needed to make sure that this rebel was taken care of. So there I stood at the foot of the cross watching what was going on and I looked out and I saw what was going on and 
There were some of his followers, but they all kind of faded into the background. And over the course of the day, this Jesus, as he hung on the cross, I noticed something different. I mean, usually when we crucified someone, when we were getting ready to execute someone, they were begging for mercy. They were proclaiming their innocence. But this Jesus never did that. It was almost as if at the time, it's where he wanted to be. It's where he knew he needed to be. And so there he was on the cross and I kept looking up at the sign, King of the Jews. And I thought, who is this who thinks he's king? But he spoke a few times over the course of his time on the cross there. I heard him tell one of the thieves hanging there with him that he would be with him in paradise. I thought, sure, paradise. Then later, as he was gasping for breath, he talked about asking his father to forgive us all. What is he talking about? And then the strangest thing happened. It was the middle of the day, the day, the time of day when it was supposed to be brightest, and all of a sudden the sky grew dark. There was darkness all over the land. It lasted almost three hours. And it was a little unnerving, even for a Roman legionnaire, to wonder what was going on, that maybe there was something different about this man hanging there. And then he did cry out at one point, and he, he talked about being forsaken by God, and I thought for sure, yeah, he's forsaken, all right, look at him. Everybody's left him. Those few followers were there. Most of them had gone except for a few women. They had all gone off because they knew that this same fate could meet them. And so I watched. And he began to gasp for his last breath. And then he died. And I remember the words that I said at the time. And I don't think I fully understood what I was saying. Maybe it was sarcasm. Maybe it was something else that was revealed to me. But I said, surely this was the Son of God. I may have been mocking him because I knew the Son of God lived in Rome and was Caesar. Surely this man hanging there to die was not the Son of God because that's not what a king looks like. That's not what glory looks like. That's not what a hero looks like. But those were the words I said. And then word came from Pilate that we needed to make sure they were dead. And so we made sure all three of them were dead and we took them down from the crosses and they took this Yeshua, this Jesus, and they took him off to bury him in a tomb. And word had come to the praetorium, to the the legion that his disciples might try and steal the body or something. So we placed a guard in front of the tomb to make sure that no one took the body. Well, the first day of the week came and reports started coming in that the body was gone. We brought the guards in who had been stationed at the tomb and they started talking about someone in shining white and an earthquake and the tomb rolling away. I think they had a little too much of their alcohol rations that day. That's all I can figure out what was going on. And and so we put it up, we looked, saw no signs of the body. Just figured maybe it was some grave robbers. We didn't know what it was. And so we moved on and continued on. And weeks went by and months went by. 
And I put it mostly out of my mind. Didn't think much about it. Until one day I ran into another soldier that I had once served with. And he said to me, Quintus, because that had been my name. He said to me, Quintus, you'll never believe what's happened to me. So I asked him, I said, what's happened to you? He says, I've become a follower of Yeshua. I said, who? He said, you remember that peasant we crucified? It was like, we've crucified a whole lot of people. And then he started telling me, he said, yeah, yeah, I know that one. I know who you're talking about. I remember that. It was different. It was unique. And he said, I've become his follower. I said, well, what do you mean his follower? How can you follow a dead man? And he said, no, he's not dead. He's alive. I said, not this again. He said, no, no, he's truly alive. Let me tell you about him. I didn't have much else to do, so I sat down and I listened to his story. And he began to tell me, he said, here is the story. He said, the story is that there is one true God and this one true God created all that is, seen and unseen. And then he placed into this world people. And he made us to be his icons, his representatives, his servant kings to rule over the world, but we chose a different path. And we've lived in rebellion, but then God sent this Jesus to show us what a true king looks like and to die in our place. And on the cross, he was crowned as king, and, and then God raised him from the dead and coronated him, raised him up to sit at his right hand as the king of all the universe. And I stopped and I listened and I thought, that's got to be one of the craziest stories I have ever heard. You're telling me, I said, that there is one God and that he cares about me? That he cares about Quintus? You're telling me that he would die for me? You're telling me that he would forgive my sins? He doesn't know the long list, the catalog of all the things that I have done. So why in the world would he die for me? And he went on and he said, no, no, it's true. And so over the next few weeks, we would meet now and then and he would talk about it and he would tell me and I began to wonder. And I began to think back to that day. And the words came to me again that I had said, truly, this was the Son of God. And I began to wonder, I said, is that what God looks like? And then I began to see through the ugliness of the cross. I began to see through that death and see that this is what God looks like. Because while on the surface it looked like horror and pain, it looked like the pure brutality, the pure ugliness of all that humans can do. Behind all that, was the beauty of a God who loves us. A beauty of a God who would give his life. And so what I began to see was that it's only in the cross that we can truly understand who God is and what God is like. And so after a time, I gave myself over to this Jesus I said, no longer is Caesar is Lord, but Jesus is Lord. I changed my name from Quintus to Venus, which means grace. 
Because I recognized in the cross that Jesus had given me grace. And so I committed my life to following him. Oh, it's not always a perfect following. I stumble along the way. I make mistakes. I fall back into my old patterns sometimes. But I realize that even in the midst of all those, that that Jesus is with me. I realize that this Son of God is now the King of kings and Lord of lords. That this Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died for the forgiveness of my sins and the forgiveness of yours. That when this Jesus died on the cross, it was a defeat of the powers of evil. You see, I thought the only way to defeat anyone was through the sword and through taking their blood. But what Jesus showed was that through the giving of his blood, he could bring about peace. I thought the only way to bring about peace in the world was to march a legion in. And he showed us that the way to bring peace was to take all the evil, all the horror, all that is wrong in the world and put it on himself. When I looked at a cross before, I always thought a cross was something everyone wanted to stay as far away from as possible. No one wanted to be near a cross. But what I realized was that in Jesus, God had come near in the cross. That this Jesus had then been raised from the dead. That God was beginning to make all things new. That he was beginning to make me new. And so I gave my life to him. I proclaimed Jesus as Lord and gave my life to him to receive his forgiveness, to receive his his grace to receive his power that was beginning to change my life. And so I would invite you, if you haven't done that, to acknowledge Jesus as Lord, to say he is the Son of God, the one who loves us, the one who died for us, the one who offers us new life. Later I was reading the writings of some of his followers, and one of them told the story of the women who had come to the tomb. And it said they went away with fear and trembling. And I think I understand why. Because it's a scary thing to step into the unknown. It's a scary thing to think that the world has changed and become a new place. It was a scary thing to hand my life over to Jesus and say, it's not mine, but it's yours. I had done a lot of things that required a lot of bravery, but that, above all, took more courage, more trust, more faith than anything to hand my life over to Jesus. But I'll say this. I've never regretted it. I've never given a second thought. Because what Jesus has done for me has brought new life and new hope. I've seen a whole new way of seeing the world because the world has been made new. I've seen that I don't need to rely on power and fear and intimidation, but instead can live the same life of love that Jesus lived. 
And it wasn't just an invitation to Quintus the Legionnaire, but an invitation to each and every one of you. So my hope for you this day is that you would know the one who is the Son of God. That you would give your life to Him just as I did. And that your life might be changed like mine was. Christ is risen.